This is a headgum podcast. Hello. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ooh, halflings, boy. Do we have something for you today? I t- forgot to say my own name. I'm that excited. I'm Jess William Cartwright, and I'm joined today by Olivia Kennedy, but everyone calls Olivia, and Jeremy Cobb. Uh, but they're not here because I'm recording this separately because we just recorded an incredible interview with the one and only Matthew Lillard and the incredible Bill Renaud, uh from Beetle and Grimm's talking about their brand new show, Fast Purple Worm Kill Kill. This was an incredible interview. There is tears in it. There is much laughter and joy. I'm really, really excited for you to hear it. Feels like a really cool uh, moment for us over at 3BH and we're so excited to share it with you. But before we get there, we had to tell you about something incredibly exciting and that is that Three Black Halflings will be doing our first ever live shows. We are absolutely thrilled to be doing two live shows next April in Manchester and in London. It's our first ever live shows. It's going to be absolutely incredible. We're going to the Lowry and then we're going to Leicester Square Theatre and I am just over the freaking moon. It feels like something that has been coming for such a long time and I just can't believe that it's actually finally going to happen. So, uh, the Lowry and Salford will be happening on the 3rd of April 2024 and then you can catch us at the Leicester Square Theatre in London on the 5th of April 2024. Please go grab your tickets. They're actually selling out quite quickly, which is crazy. Uh, so please don't be disappointed. Get your tickets now. Uh, you can find the link all in the description below this episode. We can't wait to see you live and in person. Oh my God, it's just so exciting. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this show. It feels so amazing that we're now finally at a point where we're going to do our own live shows. What a huge moment for us. And it wouldn't be possible without all of you the halflings that listen to this week in and week out. So we hope you enjoy this little treat. Let's chat with some amazing people from Beetle and Grimm's, Matthew Lillard and Bill Renault. And then we hope you'll go and book some tickets to come see us live. Come hang out with us. We'll probably chill after the show and stuff like that. So please, book your tickets, listen to the episode, and we'll see you very, very soon. Now, over to me with Matthew Lillard and Bill Renault. God. This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. <laughs> Full prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> this makes them even more black. Cake glitches and bitches. And lands in the cusp of a teaspoon. Oh, no! On a nat 20. No! You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and I love it. Yeah. We're about to get into something real big now. So, I would like to welcome to Three Black Halflings, our next guests. We have Bill Renault and Matthew Lillard. Welcome to the show! What? 
Why halflings? Why halflings? The, the very Ooh. short backstory for this was that uh, I was running a game and Jeremy here uh, played a black halfling. And we spent how long, Jeremy, looking for art of a black uh, halfling? Hours. Oh, hours. Yeah. Hours. This was back in late 2019. So this was yes. before uh, the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, I think, came out. With mm. the first art I've ever seen of a black halfling. Couldn't <laughs> yes. find any art of a black halfling prior no. to that. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. And so, uh, basically. And why did you start the show? Did you start the show to talk about diversity? Yeah, yeah, well, uh, basically, it was kind of like it was the in the experience of looking through and trying to find a black halfling and being like, "This is ridiculous." There was Wait like one minute, yeah. black and white image of a black halfling and being like, "This, that seems like there should be more here. There should mm -hmm. feels yeah, like there yeah. should be more." And uh, and so we made them. We made more, and uh, and here we are. And we're talking to yeah. we're talking to you guys, which is just you know. Couldn't have, couldn't have convinced me of that when we started this little show. So very happy about that because we're not here to talk about us as much as I appreciate you asking. It's very kind of you. Yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah. We're here it's to a very specific name. So it I wanna, is. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think it's helped us quite a lot. Uh, yeah, you see name. that and you're like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're really excited to be here. Thanks for having us. We we have been talking in like five minute bursts. So it's nice to sort of sit down and have a longer conversation, which is Excellent. great. Yeah. Well, thank you for making the time. That's very, very cool. Yes. Um, we wondered, obviously, we're here to talk about your brand new show, uh, Faster Purple Worm, Kill Kill. Uh, and uh, But we wondered just before we get into that, whether we could get a little peek behind the screen, as it were, and uh, find out a little bit about your nerdy origin stories. Obviously, the two of you are, I can literally see a gigantic map behind you there, Bill. So, oh my God, you no. know, it's a pretty, <laughs> pretty hardcore nerddom, yes. uh, which is quite impressive. Yeah, yeah this is, uh, this this is the star of of one of our episodes. Uh, oh and God! I won't ruin it and tell you which one, but this is uh, a gift from our friends at WizKids. Uh, wow! Who make amazing, Thanks. amazing stuff, and they they provided a lot of great stuff for the TV show, and um, so we're very grateful to them and uh, their great partners. Yeah, and you can see that Bill has stolen shit from the show. <laughs> it's totally bullshit. That's Seth Green behind you? Did you not get anything? Did you steal <laughs> Seth Green from oh the set God. of the show? No. <laughs> I, have the I have something too. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, so I was just wondering if uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us what was the kind of like uh, the initial nerdy thing. It's a question that we ask all of our guests that come on our show. It's like, what was that first initial thing? Was it parents that got you into nerdy stuff? Was it picking up a comic yeah. book? Was it you know what was it that first got you into this weird and wonderful world that we all call home? So my brother Charlie and I uh, are both co-founders of Beetle and Grimm's, um, and our mother was a librarian. Um, very, very smart woman, uh, very well read and very, um, anxious to introduce us to high quality literature very early. So they got us into Tolkien at a very young age. And, um, we were very fortunate in that right about that same time was when Gary Gygax started putting out these uh, this strange, weird uh, novelty game called Dungeons and Dragons that um, that just really spoke to us coming out of that fiction. Um, and uh, so we, we immediately, both of us immediately started playing. We played together. We played with our friends. I played with his friends. Um, 
And we went through the whole satanic panic phase when Tom mm-hmm. Hanks was on TV showing us how it would turn us all into Satan worshipers. Um, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then and then it, it for for us, I think it kind of took a back seat as we got into high school and college. And you know, at that time, it was still um, not a hobby that you exactly bragged about in public. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that you would wear a D&D shirt to high school was um, a, a suicide mission at that, at that time. Um, so it kind of, you know, we kind of took a backseat and we didn't really know people who played um, in, in our college years. And then uh, Matt and I and uh, two of the other co-founders of Beetle and Grimm's met in acting school. And I'll let Matt take it from there. Yeah, uh, just to back up. So I same thing with me. I mean, I I rode around on a bicycle and we would ride down to the hobby shop and we'd buy (laughs) little lead figures and we'd go home and paint them and Mm. play those characters for like two weeks. And then we'd play football and then we'd make movies and then we would, you know, you do a whole series of things during the course of the summer. And then, you you know, a week later, you'd go back down and buy new characters and you paint them. And so that's how I started, you know, this idea that there were no phones there were no video games really i mean you had atari if you were mm-hmm. if a rare house had atari there were no phones how old are you <laughs> it was all telegraph we would nothing. communicate by telegraph that was carrier pigeon i believe pigeon. very very time consuming you spend your summers in the pony express um but you know you just you, you were bored and so out of boredom you started doing things and that's how we found this kid david larson kid I grew up with. So he's the one that started it and he started the adventure. When we got to college, we were in acting school. You know, Johnny, my roommate at the time, had all the core rule books. I was like, dude, what are you doing with these relics? <laughs> uh, and he's like, I still play. I still play. My And I was like, well, we should play. And we were, uh, and we went to, we watched the Bills lose a football game, a Super Bowl. And we decided that night, we started talking about d and I was like, well, we should all play. And that started us. We were all 21 years old. Oh, you know, I'm 53. Um, Bill's obviously 64. And, um, <laughs> and you know, and, and and so, and so look, what happened for Beetle and Grimm's is that we all had lives. We all had families. We had kids. And, but we kept playing. We played all the way through. We were playing for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were looking for something else to do, frankly. You know, we were all sort of having this creative midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, Bill came up one day with this idea and we were like, we were talking about maybe doing escape rooms or, you know, maybe like a, something like, you know, a mystery box company. And a Bill came up with this idea one day and he had this pitch. And so Matt had just finished directing this really wonderful little indie film called Fat Kid Rules the World, um, which everybody should check out. Um and uh, one of m- m- uh, uh, my favorite musicians in the world, Mike McCready from Pearl Jam, did the soundtrack for it. And uh, when they were trying to raise money to get into distribution, Mike McCready offered uh, to autograph some of these big boxed sets of uh, Pearl Jam albums. And I have, I, I'm the prop guy today, but wow. You just steal everything, huh? You just take it, run All of it's it. ill-gotten. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> my, my autograph set. I did. I did actually pay for this one. Um, but it got me thinking about the idea that you know, in music, if you're a super fan of 
a band, there are options for you to sort of indulge in that and and get these sort of super fan products that uh, let you immerse yourself more into what that artist is doing. And we just didn't see much of that in the gaming space. And so my pitch to the guys for for our company was to be that that provider of sort of the high-end immersive products. What are all the things that we as DMs wish we could do for our players, but don't yeah. have the time to provide? Yeah. And um, and so that was that's just sort of the the genesis of the whole thing. And then when we went to uh, Wizards of the Coast and sort of pitched the idea, one of the first things they said to us was, there is no shortage of people who want to play Dungeons and Dragons. The shortage is the people who have the courage to DM games of Dungeons and Dragons. Because and that's sort of the rate limiting factor of the growth of the game. And we really relate to that because we've all tried it at various times. And um, Johnny, John Ciccolini is our sort of resident DM in our group. Um, but I've DM, Matt's DM, Charlie's DM, Paul is DM. And we all know how hard it can be and how much prep time it takes. Um, so um, our guiding sort of principle for the company is how can we make it easier for a DM how can we make the DM feel better about what they're doing, feel more secure uh, and walk away feeling like they provided a great experience for the players that they gathered around a table? Yeah, that's amazing. that's amazing. And I can say I literally have just got back from doing 24 hours of D&D <laughs> locked away in a castle. So uh, I can oh, I can wow. testify it's definitely a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I've it's just really come cool. back, uh, literally just come back from doing uh, slightly fewer hours. I think more like 16 to 20 hours of D and D locked on a boat. Yeah. Uh, we were yeah. on a locked on a boat though. That's the uh, that's you the... make it sound like it's involuntary. Yeah, uh, <laughs> wow. tell me more. They kidnapped me. Uh, they said this is how Bill got Seth Green. So we're using the same technique on you. Uh, they kidnapped me, put me on the boat, and I had to play D and D with people. <laughs> Are you with uh, Azevedo? Uh, yes, yes, I was. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah, I haven't Great done time. any gauntlets of uh, DMing, but I've been ill for the past week and feel pretty rough. So that's, you know, it's kind of the same pretty thing. Similar. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty yeah, similar. Yeah, it's a yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure that's the analogy we want to be drawing. From. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> DMing, um, it's like being sick. It's like being so, so sick. Um, <laughs> I wondered as well with Beetle and Grimm's. So what are the kind of um, products that you provide for DMs? And did like the company come first and then you pitched uh, Faster Pepper Worm, Kill Kill? Oh, or was it vice versa? Oh, how did that go? Yeah, no, Beetlegrim's been around five years now. Um, and so, you know, we knew as a company we wanted to be, like, we're always looking for ways to expand, right? We want to make sure that people know who we are and expand the, the brand. One of the ways to do that is, you know, with the rise of Critical Role, with the rise of these other streaming games, um, you know, Glass Cannon Networks, there's these, Azevedo has Realmsmith, you know, these, everyone's trying to figure out streaming. And so we definitely felt like we needed to be a part of that story. We needed to have that as a company. And we're performers. I mean, four of the five of us went to acting school. We're like, oh, we can do something. What does that mean? Um, but none of us really consume. I mean, we're all over 50. So none of us really consume three-hour sort of blocks of D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. And we found, look, if we, we have to do what we know. 
Um, we have to do what we love. And so one of the, so Bill came, Bill comes up with all the good ideas. Um, <laughs> Bill came up with this idea for Fast Perform Kill Kill, which is basically the conceit of the show is four first level characters go adventuring into the world mm -hmm. to become the heroes of legend. Um, but this is the story of those four, four first level characters that meet an epic D&D &D iconic monster and get completely obliterated. Because yeah. so, it would happen, uh, definitely. Yeah. 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 Listen, not, not all heroes get to succeed. So. Yeah, and unlike video games as well, and like in <laughs> if we're imagining a fantasy world, like there's not going to be zones where leveled yeah. monsters are. You know what I mean? That's like right. it's very <laughs> possible you just wander <laughs> into the wrong bit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wander just straight into Act Tree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to like, tell you you don't have enough coins to enter this part of town. They're just yeah. going to let yeah. you go and then you're done. <laughs> yeah. And 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 they don't run like the the, the running exactly. option is just out. Yeah. yeah. So look, so that's I mean that's the show. The show is like it's a one hour show every week. Four first level characters get obliterated, um, and <laughs> we sort of did it once on a stream. It was hilarious. We thought it was so much fun. Uh, and then we went to Dungeons and Dragons. We went to Watsi and we said, hey, we want to go do a podcast, a weekly podcast, sort of go out there and sort of doing what you guys are doing. I mean, we mm. wanted. To be like the halflings we wanted to be you know doing a streaming show or if you want to come on every week you're more than welcome yeah no we're like, fine yeah, with that that's yeah good. we can make space <laughs> three black and <laughs> also one white halfling that's the new name yes and also white halflings <laughs> three black halflings uh, and two old white guys <laughs> yeah perfect that sounds great Both demographics the only two <laughs> i'd listen oh <laughs> uh, that's funny uh yeah but so we so that was so this is our answer to that riddle right mm. fast perform and they love the idea so much love the pitch deck they were like well why don't we just partner with you and and do the show with you and so we that's how it's gotten to tv oh that's wow very cool and I, yeah so sorry. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. 
Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Yeah, I was actually going to mention, because in researching this, I knew that I had heard the name before this year. And mm-hmm. like Faster Purple Worm Kill Kill, I knew I was familiar with that name. And then I, in researching, I realized that uh, there's at least one video of you all playing it from two years ago. Was that the was that the first uh, time that you guys had done it, or had you done it prior to that? I think it was for D and D Live. That was actually the the second time. Yeah, so we did it once uh, on our own channel with about eighteen people watching. Um, and then, um, that was the one you're referring to was, it was one of the D and D live shows. Yeah. D and D live, I think is the name of it in July, I think 2021. Um, and, um, and, uh, Seth Green and Deborah Ann Wall and Xander and B-Day were kind enough to just sort of like, you know, I mean, at that point it was us just saying, look, we're just going to do this thing. We can't explain it to you. Are you willing? (laughs) Such wonderful people that they said yeah sure okay so um yeah so that was sort of the first time we had done it um in a semi-professional sort of setting i just want to be clear we had done it we did it once before our own stream we did our own 18 man stream and then we did it like one other time no, then we pitched it to Dungeons and Dragons and they said yes. And we yeah. did a practice run. We had done it three times before we're on this huge cell. <laughs> Honestly, so you could put the three of us in a studio and we've been doing this for over three years. We'd still crap ourselves. We'd still oh, be like, God, oh, yeah. shit. what? Like, what are we doing? What? what is happening? I can't imagine doing it three times and then being thrust in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't know though from from the screener that we uh, were able to see beforehand. Mm. Like you would not know that was the case. It's so slick and it's so yeah. atmospheric. Well, it's great. To be clear, we that was like that was the show two years ago. When okay, okay, it, okay, okay. When we pitched the show, the first thing when when Watsi and E1 bought it, um, they didn't buy it. We we partnered. Mm. We decided to get with the Guild Hall in Burbank. Um, mm. And we decided to do the live show. I mean, the reality was that we had to test it. We had to figure out if yeah. we if we knew what we were talking about. We had all these ideas. Mm-hmm. We had these thoughts of what the show should be like. But we had to really try to break it. The whole idea was like, can we break it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did a six-week standing sort of live show uh, at the back of the Guild Hall. That's a bar in place. Burbank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love that place. I have the I, yeah, every time I go to LA, it, I'm always like nipping into Guildhall. It's lovely. Ooh, it's, awesome. it's awesome. But we started with like the first time we did it, we were like, we had this like little corner 
and we were super embarrassed and nervous oh. and scared. And we had like six people showed up and we're like, oh, we're a total failure. But we had a blast. Yeah. And we're like, hey, invite people next week. And the next week it was like, you know, 15 people. And then the next week was like 100. I mean, it just kept going yeah. until the last show we did. It was sold, you know, it was packed. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like standing room only. And it was like one of those things you're like, you felt like you always, I always want to be a part of something like people were like, I remember when the first yeah. time I saw it, yeah, you know, yeah. and I, I definitely felt, and I've never been a part of anything like that, but this definitely had that moment of like, Oh, we could, this could be the beginning of something very special that goes on for a long time. Sure. I mean, what, if it makes you feel the... any better, I remember when I watched uh, Scooby-Doo, the Scooby-Doo movie for the first time. So, <laughs> like, I absolutely remember that. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, just, yeah. you know, just so you know that you definitely have that moment. You absolutely Mine. have that moment. <laughs> I, it's so weird. I'm more interested in this moment than that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if these moments pays better than the other moment. <laughs> but... <laughs> Let me hold on. Let's dig into which one do we think it is? I mean, yeah. hmm, <laughs> I wanted to ask what were you mentioned, like trying to break the show and see how, what are some things, what do we actually want to do? What we have all these ideas. What were some of the changes that were made along the way of developing it during that six weeks and six week intensive process okay. and bringing it finally to the screen? Uh, well, one of the things um, that we were very fortunate with was um, we had this idea that we wanted to have live accompaniment. Um, I have a, a, a dear friend of my wife's named Kelly Holden Beshar, who um, works with improv companies in Los Angeles. And when we've gone and seen her shows, they always have an accompanist who is also improving. They are playing along and they're just making stuff up Love as that. the show yeah. goes. And we saw how much that contributes to the show. Um, and so uh, I contacted Kelly and asked her for a recommendation. And she recommended this guy named Scott Passarella, who is local in Los Angeles. And um, turns out to be an absolute gem of a guy, super talented guy. And um, this is incredible to me thinking back on it. But I contacted him out of the blue and told him what we were doing. And... I, he said, okay, I'll come to Guildhall. And I thought, wow, that's really nice of him to actually come and watch a show and, you know, on his own time and see it. And I said, that's, that's great. And, and, and then he said, no, no, you don't understand. I'm going to come and I'm going to play and we're just going to figure this thing out together. Um, and so he came to the last two or three shows and just set up his equipment and just played. And he was not a gamer, didn't know a lot about it, didn't know any of us. Um, but was so brilliant so immediately and contributed so much to the game that um, uh, and, and as you'll see in the 20 episodes, it, it adds so much to the game in general. And then you'll see moments where the DM or one of the players will very specifically take advantage of that. Um, that. You know, Lou Wilson is in one of the episodes <laughs> and makes up a song on the spot. With the accompaniment. <laughs> oh, sounds about right. <laughs> so brilliant and yeah. so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so uh so that was a big one. Uh Matt, can you think of something else? Oh yeah. I mean, look, there's a couple things. For he was incredible. Mm -hmm. Second thing is, you know, we as we were going through the budgeting process, we didn't have money for an audience, right? The mm -hmm. show is shot with an audience. And 
without budgeting. I mean, they were like, you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it because we didn't have the money. And so one of the things we did is that as we were practicing, we were failing. Like, you know, we, we were worried that we were going to fail. Every show we had the Gil Hold was successful, which, by the way, is like that was super powerful because all of a sudden you're trying it in front of people and it's working and you're like, oh, mm. shit, the things that we think are working. Yes. Um, so we were we were trying to fail and it was it was working despite uh, us despite <laughs> us um but you know we we had asked for an audience we couldn't get one we brought the producers to the last show we knew that the place was going to be packed because we announced his last show and it was standing room only and the amount of energy that came out of that show, right? When you're a performer and you're in front of people, yeah. it's like all of a sudden everything changes. Yeah, everything is engaged in a different yeah. way. Yeah. And so they saw the direct impact of an audience. And literally right after the show, Bill and I walked over, the whole team walked over. I said, well, you know, what do you think? Because they were, we were in, deep in pre-production and they didn't really, had never seen the show. And it was in that moment, two things happened. They immediately greenlit the audience. They're like, we got to have an audience. Yeah. But the other thing is, and, and I think this is the most important thing through that whole process to your question, is that we became confident in the show in a way that we were able to defend every aspect, right? The show has a host. Mm. Bill's the host of every episode. Never mm. seen before. Doesn't really make sense for Dungeons and Dragons. But it was something that we thought was super important. But in the process of doing it, the amount of confidence we gained, it allowed us to stand behind these really core decisions. Like, for example, every character dies every single episode, yep. which, you know, we experienced a lot of pushback. This idea of like people have to have hope, people have to maybe survive. <laughs> it can't be that way. Um, but it gave us the courage to stick by our artistic North Star. Yeah. Uh, yeah. which ends up making the show that we wanted to make. And I think at the end of the day, uh, hopefully it's successful. Yeah. I think one of the things that I really loved, uh, you know, that I really love about you saying that is something that I've been thinking about a lot, which is like, you know, actual play, especially now it's gone way beyond, way, way beyond this idea of like just some friends with some mics telling, you know, the story like actual play now is this huge, beautiful, complex show. You know, these are shows, these are TV shows, these are high production. You know, I've been lucky enough to just be a part of Dimension 20 and I can tell you it is not like, you know, just a bunch <laughs> of friends sat around, you know, thing. It's, it's a real big production. And and I think it's like hearing talking about like you know oh it doesn't really make sense for an for a D and D um, sort of game to have a host but actually it makes sense for a show to have a host yes. you know and I think that it's really important one of the things we always talk about when we give advice to people who are thinking about starting their own shows or you know venturing into this industry is like you have to think of it as like as a business because it is that it is a show it is a business it is a you know something that you're trying to like put out there as entertainment and I think that's uh, it's really cool to hear you guys uh, yeah. talking uh, like that I think as we're kind of getting towards wrapping up, I know that we kind of got a little bit of a of one maybe already from Bill, but we always ask our guests for a thing called a tale from the table, which is basically just like a pretty epic uh, or funny or memorable moment, something that sticks out, uh, you know, from uh, either it can be a home game or obviously, of course, you could pick something from, uh, you know, from 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 the show. Uh, but we always love to just hear a little kind of moment and it doesn't have to be even funny. It could be something sad or heartfelt or just something that, you know, just something that's, that's stuck with you playing yeah, sure. D&D. Love to. Uh, well, Jasper, I just wanted to, just to, 
to yes and the thing you just said. Mm. If anyone's out there listening and thinking about what they want to do, my whole thing is that we learned is that you have to find your own approach to your your idea. Mm. To just emulate what somebody else is doing isn't good enough. You've got mm-hmm. to follow your artistic intention because that's the first of all that's the only way to to bring joy into it if you're emulating somebody directly yes you're just copying and and that's not an original voice and so my mm-hmm. whole thing is like find your original voice um look you know for me like you know i have a moment from this show mm-hmm. that uh, i just talked about like five minutes ago and started crying so i'm gonna try not to cry <laughs> but, you know, one of the great things about the show is that there's all different kinds of plays there's there's two things that there's lots of things we're proud about the show first of all one of the things we're proud of is that intentionally hyper intentionally both on our side and everyone on the e1 side we have the most diverse tables ever seen in yeah. any gameplay anywhere we have every Race, color, creed, sexuality, diverse. I mean, able is a, a hundred. Like we, we just try to capture the tapestry of those people playing in our industry, mm-hmm. which we're super fucking proud of. Yeah. First, second of all, you know, we, there's a there's no wrong way to play this game. There's no right way to play this game. It's the best way to spend a life. And so for me, you know, there's fuck, I don't know what <laughs> it is about this moment. Mm-hmm. There's one of the games that I played in. Um, that if he uh, DM'd in which the characters are trying to resurrect their dead father. My dad's really ill. Mm-hmm. And so my character in the show just wants to hug his dad again. Mm-hmm. And so we're playing this game. It's super fun and funny. But the entire time I'm like getting deeper and deeper into a emotional place. I can't, I can't yeah. stop. I don't, I don't want to crack. We're making a fun show. I don't want to like expose like my own humanity on this funny, silly show. You know, I, at the end, I looked over to Bill and Bill lost his dad and his mom. And you could just see him trying to hold it together. And as we go through each episode, we have this thing. I don't know why it's so charging. <laughs> Every episode we have this epitaph. And so we play the game. It's silly and serious, but we look for real humanity in the epitaph. Yeah, like that's our whole. The thing that's great about the show is that we really try to to show in the gameplay that the game is serious and silly and fun, but we play the game seriously, and that there's real connection to these characters. And it's a great mm-hmm. way to finish up. So as we go down, I was last epitaph, and I just couldn't get a word out. And I saw Bill, and Bill was cracking. Um, and so, you know, we literally sat there on, 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 on screen and cried for freaking five minutes. Mm. So, you know, for me, uh, I'm super proud of the fact that we hold space for that episode as much as we hold space for the comedy and the silliness. Like there's this human moment that comes out of this thing Mm. that we didn't, we weren't expecting or wanting, but it just happened. And so that's one of the things I'm super proud of on the show. That yeah. really stuck with me when we when I was watching the screener, just the end bit where I won't spoil spoil anything, but when it was just kind of you, Bill, the, like giving everyone that moment to kind of like have a bit of hope, you know, for that character, I I teared up quite a lot. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's yeah, it was amazing. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm so glad. I'm, I, I think it's I it, it's something that we found to be really important with the show, and and um it it. It, like everything else on the show, it takes a very different form uh, depending on the people at the table and depending on what story was told. And um, 
you know, I, I think it's it's one of the most important things for me as the host is to stay open to what that last moment will be, to not try to pre-plan it, um, let the story sort of determine what that will be so that it feels meaningful and genuine to the experience that everybody has just had for the last hour. So if we accomplish that, then then uh, thank you. I, I really appreciate hearing that. That's absolutely amazing. And what a beautiful note for, for us to wrap up this interview. I can't thank both of you enough for giving up your time to come and talk to us. This is, feels like an amazing, uh, really cool moment for us. And uh, just so excited for people to get a chance to watch this show. It's really amazing. And uh, and I think people are going to really dig it. So uh, once once again, Bill, Matthew, thanks you so much for coming on Three Black Halflings. <laughs> Yeah, thank, thank you guys. You. Thank you. Thank you all so much. Great to meet cool. you. Thank you. Yes, you too. So that's about all for this week, folks. But make sure to check out the show by Beetle and Grimms. Also, make sure you check out Jeremy's stuff, uh, Jeremy's Twitch streams over at Casual Quest Live. He also has the Quantum Reactor show, and you can follow him at Jeremy Cobb One. That's the number one and Cobb with two Bs. Uh, you can check out Liv at Does Dark Magic or Olivia Does Dark Magic on most of the social media. Medias live also streams and is over on Dicebreaker doing cool stuff there. And um, you can find me at JW underscore Cartwright on all of the social medias. Uh, you can check out my new Twitch channel as well, which is JW Cartwright, and I'll be on there occasionally, sometimes. I uh, make random goals for me to do another stream, and we sometimes hit them, so there we'll go. Um, you can also check out the Rotating Heroes podcast if you want to hear me DMing. Uh, the first episode of that will be out literally the day after, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out. Uh, it'll be coming out uh, on the 17th uh, of this month of November, so please go and check out the Rotating Heroes pod to listen to the first episode of Arc 8. Um, but I think that is probably about everything this week. Uh, make sure you keep an eye out on our merch store, because we're going to be having a Black Friday discount over there, and please, once again, make sure you go and check out our live shows. All the links are, will be in the description below, and uh, you can come and see us live and in person in either Manchester at the Lowry, uh, or over in London at the Leicester Square Theatre. Very, very excited. Links below. Please go and check them out. And um, we'll see you there, live and in person. Be really, really awesome. That's all we have time for this week. So, without any further ado, I will see you next week. So long, shy of hope. That was a HeadGum Podcast.